You wanted the best. You got the best. In strong language and adult content, the hottest podcast in the world. Slowly, we rock. From Mars to Sirius, straight into your ear, we are covering the heaviest matters in the universe. That's right, it's the Slowly We Rock podcast with our new Golgira album review special. Woo! That's right, uh, French male titans Golgira have released their first new album in five years, Fortitude. And uh, after a little bit of preamble, a little bit of catch-up, we are going to do a bit of a first impressions review session on those whale-loving French death metal slash kind of like, I don't know, um, groovy, metal-y, great drums, awesome, weird guitar sound dudes, and we're going to check in on the new record and let you know what we think of it. Uh, <laughs> that's, my, that's my Tinder name. It's groovy, metal great drums. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if you have a different name on Tinder. Is Tinder just your name? I don't know. Yeah, you just put your name. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you could put an alias if you wanted to. Yeah. Okay. But so it you could probably get cool a little drums. bit awkward when you actually meet someone and you have to explain that your name's like, yeah, Gary. Or if you see someone you know on there and they're going, they message you, be like, why, why are you on Tinder as Mr. Groovy Great Drums? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think they need to ask Lewis why he's on there. Of course, Lewis is on that. True, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't know him at all if they ask that. Actually, no. Do you know what? I will be honest. If I saw Lewis on Tinder, I, a, I'd be wondering why. <laughs> Uh, men were coming up in my feed and B um, I'd have a lot of questions for him to be honest as to what he was doing on Tinder and I think it'd be it'd be great as well is if I was going as Mr. Groovy great drums <laughs> like but you don't play drums <laughs> ah no I'm foiled well no that's your excuse like see it can't be me uh, <laughs> I don't I don't own any drums yeah things have just never been the same since they had that big data breach at Ashley Madison yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so going around the room i am your host uh james oh yeah i'm joined as ever by my flying whales i've got dan hello and uh lefont savage himself the wild child lewis blake these are all gojira song titles i'm dropping in here uh you're doing well yeah (laughs) like not many of them lend themselves to puns so i think (laughs) i'm doing all right so far uh gentlemen how are we doing yeah, it's been pretty good. Just had bank holiday. Um, I took the Friday off as well, so I had a four-day uh, oh, time yeah. off. Which Easter part move. two. Really? Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. I had to work good Friday. <laughs> the second second coming. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, the Forgotten Stone Roses album. <laughs> the new New Testament. Um, but um, yeah, I had to work good Friday. Uh, so that was a bad Friday for me. But uh, So I only got a three-day weekend last time, so I thought I'd give myself a four-day bank holiday um i needed it i was so knackered last week um it's nice just to recharge your batteries nice and listen to this album yeah dropped good timing for it to drop on the friday for a mm. bank holiday weekend very gracious of uh, the record label to release it then absolutely <laughs> lovely stuff uh lewis how are you doing uh good uh it's we're recording this on may 4th which has become star wars day 
Huge day. Absolutely huge day. Yeah. Yeah. No, I thought you were like gritting your teeth at me. Like, don't fucking say No, it. no, not at all. No. <laughs> uh, in fact, as we speak, I put a, I put a little May 4th uh, thing on our socials um, in the last like, oh, half nice. an hour. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought you'd like, oh, he's, he's going off again. There we go. Um, hey, welcome to the Mandalorian yeah. part two, guys. <laughs> it's, it's funny because it started as just like a, hey, May the 4th. It sounds like May the 4th. Ooh. Get it? Um, and then I think Disney quickly were like, oh, shit, we can sell loads of stuff mm-hmm. on this day. <laughs> so now it's just been I, kind of like I think it predated really, really... the Disney era. I feel like during just when Lucasfilm was independent, I feel like May 4th was a thing but obviously it, but they didn't have as many projects in the pipeline it was mainly like the animated stuff so i don't feel like it was as big a deal whereas i feel now because they've got so many projects in the pipeline it feels like it's a bigger day but i feel like they definitely had announced action figures on may 4th pre-disney era and stuff well, like we've that they've done a tv show this time haven't they uh yeah it's come out today like an animated one. Oh, uh, the bad, the bad batch, batch. Mm. I'm very excited about. Um, but no, I'm pretty sure it's, it's only in recent years it's really, really been fucking drilled home, totally. right? Yeah. Yeah. The, like Twitter and stuff like that really, and like social media really pushes it, doesn't it? Yeah. So I spend like half the day being like, fuck yeah, I love Star Wars. And the other half just like, ah, oh, shit. I'm just being, <laughs> he was just trying to sell me everything <laughs> for this entire day. That's really funny because I, I read a thing on Twitter, someone asked, uh, Basically, does Disney either own like a whole bunch of uh, burner accounts or like somehow every single day trending on Twitter, there's always either something to do with Star Wars or something to do with Marvel. And mm. uh, this dude sort of shared an anecdote where he basically said that uh, <coughs> he'd met someone uh, like when he was driving taxis or it was very, not a very reliable source, but basically said that like <laughs> they had a Marvel Stan uh, account where they just spammed Marvel stuff constantly. But uh, as, like, payment for it, they got, like, a free pass to Disney World. Yeah, dude, nice. all of that kind of shit goes on. Um, and there's, you know, there are so many of these, like, embarrassing fucking YouTubers and podcasts where it's, like, you know, this, like, whole kind of, like, nerd culture. Like, there are so many that are just, like, legit shills. Um, yeah, totally. I mean, I think the worst ones are the clickbait ones. I don't mind if people... Because, you know, we, we talk about pop culture a lot, but it's the clickbait ones where it's like, you know, Doctor Strange to appear in episode nine of Star Wars. And it would be, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like a picture of Benedict Cumberbatch talking to Oscar Isaac at a party or something. And it have loads of question marks around it. Yeah, but there's, there was, um, I think it was uh, Collider. Um, did a bunch of Star Wars shit uh, and you know such massive fans always just absolutely love talking about Star Wars just really here because of the passion for what they believe in and the one guy refused to speak about Star Wars because he didn't get an invite to the premiere and a couple of the other guys did uh. <laughs> uh, and he threw an absolute meltdown on their live show and it's maybe the most embarrassing thing I've ever heard not as a and joke like at the start not as, a, cool. not as a joke he generally says he says I've been busting my balls being a fan for the last few years <laughs> <laughs> and they can't even throw me a line being a fan of something should be ball busting right it's should be a it's a pleasure and a privilege to find something that you exactly. connect with what so an this is what insane I mean. thing to say like, i know, oh, <laughs> I know. that's, that's what i mean books. by oh. by shills i mean 
those guys, the guys yeah. that are just in it for what you, they can get. Because right? everything about being a Pharisee is you do it out of your own free will. It's you love it. that you like and you want to dedicate your time to and your passion to. You don't yeah. bust your balls being a fan. Every moment of that stuff should be a pleasure. Absolutely baffling. Although but, I, do, I, do, I do feel like Disney's busted our yeah, balls. Well, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, as someone who uh, is balls deep in the world of like wrestling, Twitter, and YouTube, um, <laughs> <laughs> like I absolutely know what you mean. Where all it takes is like a single out of context tweet to suddenly become like a headline for a week uh, on every wrestling Twitter page, news page, yeah. YouTube channel, things like that. So I, I totally get it. Um, question, Ed, before we do a little bit of a deep dive into this record, has anyone been checking out anything else over the last few weeks? Because we've talked about a lot, so we've talked about obviously a lot more classic records recently, and I'd like to thank everyone who checked out our Faith No More episode and our Limp Biscuit episode, yeah. um, because the reaction to those have been absolutely fantastic. Uh, really appreciate it. I love like hearing from you guys, and we've had some amazing comments uh, on both the Limp Biscuit and the Faith No More episodes, and I hope you've enjoyed going back to those albums with us. And uh, if there's any of the records you want to hear about, you know where to find us on our socials. Mm-hmm. So get in touch and let us know what you think. Um, if you like it, we'll drop the socials at the end of the podcast, so you, you know, so you don't have to remember for the rest of the episode. Um, but thank you. So- yeah, you've got to earn it. You've got to, you've got to earn exactly. it. You've got to sit through the next <laughs> next hour. <laughs> but, uh, thank you so much for uh, thank you so much for. Uh, for letting us know what you think of those episodes and all the positive feedback. But yeah. is there anything else you guys have been listening to? Um, just r- real quick, I want to say a massive thank you to uh, Layla for getting in touch about the Faith No More episode, uh, who who wasn't sure if we'd done research. Um, I don't think we actually have, because we're not usually that intelligent. Uh, <laughs> we're usually just wrong. So I think we just... <laughs> we love we had, through osmosis, we had, we had Through osmosis just learned actual things that have finally come useful. Uh, so thank you, Layla. Thank you so, so much for getting in touch. Oh, that's really good to hear. Uh, yeah, I think we are doing a little bit more research, but it's still not like... Unfortunately, because we're all full-time employed, we don't have the ability to be able to do a proper like deep dive research. Thing, but that's really nice yeah. to hear that we're getting better at actually conveying information. <laughs> no, which is nice because sometimes yeah, it's, yeah. it's a difficult balancing act between wanting to just be like really impassioned about something and also trying to be informative to some yeah, degree. Enthusiasm versus yeah. informative, right? Yeah, and I think you can lose that sometimes. I haven't really, other than what we're going to talk about today, I haven't listened to too much new recently, but I just wanted to say I have been watching, I know Jim has, um, Invincible on... Um, oh, Amazon Prime. Based the Robert on the, Kirkman. Yeah, based on the Robert Kirkman superhero. Um, I was going to say parody, but it's not a parody, but it's like its own, set in its own universe. It's not Marvel or DC or anything like that. And just want to give a shout because it's absolutely fantastic. It, 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 it's brilliant and I can't wait to watch more of it already. I can't say enough good things about it. It's. Um, I, th- I thought initially it got a little bit overshadowed because... It came out, I think, roughly the same week as both the Winter Soldier, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Justice League uh, Snyder Cut. So it yeah. seemed like every streaming service had a big superhero thing launching that weekend, and people weren't talking about Invincible as much. But whereas those two other two year films and shows have kind of had their ups and downs and forwards slightly, Invincible has just been consistently incredible. And um, for those who don't know, it's an animated series uh, rather than live action as well. Um, so. It feels it feels obviously you know a little more comic booky in places, um, but it's definitely like a grown up series. You know there is. Oh, it's not for kids. Yeah, I can't is, stress there, it enough. If, if you're listening and, and thinking guts. you might watch it with your kids, I 
No. Not unless they're like, you know, teenagers, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's um, just a, it's a really fancy well-developed world. And I think even if you're not a massive superhero fan, I think one thing it does, which is really clever, is it uses both classic archetypal heroes like Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, uh, and various sort of like folks you've seen in different movies to kind of help establish the world. And then it very quickly sort of, there's even like a Hellboy slash Rorschach from Watchmen uh, yeah, type character. Okay. Uh, the best character. Yeah. Um, and very quickly, I don't know if anyone who's read the, uh, the books will know, but it kind of uh, breaks all of that down and becomes very much its own thing. Um, but it's, mm-hmm. yeah, abs- it has maybe one of the most stacked voice casts of any show I've ever seen as well, especially an animated show. Um, absolutely incredible. It's unreal, isn't it? Um, but yeah, basic premise is about a, a boy who is a teenager and uh, his dad is Omni-Man, who's like that world's version of Superman, if you want. Like he can fly, uh, he's super strong, you know, he's got all the powers. Um and essentially, the start of it is it, his, his teenager's powers haven't come through. So it's almost like he's waiting for a second puberty to hit. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. I can't really, I don't really want to go into it too much more from there. But it's in a world where superheroes exist in general. It's not like yeah. a one-off thing. Um, but yeah, so a lot of it is actually, there's a lot of superheroic stuff going on, obviously. And, you know, like baddies and plots and all sorts. But there's also a lot of him dealing with like his day-to-day uh, school life and his dating life and stuff like that um it's really really great i i don't want to say too much to be honest about yeah. giving away a lot of the fun stuff that's in it that's, um, there's a lot of twists and turns along the way isn't there if, if anyone's enjoyed like any of the recent you know like the marvel films and stuff they want to check something else out that's superhero based i cannot recommend this enough it, it's a really fantastic um and it's beautifully animated as well they definitely didn't cheap out on it and they really have fought everything through in terms of like the animation and things like that as well it looks really cool. I haven't watched any. Well, I haven't. I haven't actually read the um, the comics, but I know that everyone that <laughs> pretty much everyone I spoke to that has really, really highly regards them. So, mm. would you say that this lives up to it? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Cool. I've okay. read. Uh, I f- can't remember if I read all of it in the end, but I read a good half to three quarters of the original run of Invincible over the years. Um, and yeah, this is absolutely keeping all the key points in it um okay and also cool. mixing things up a little bit as well from what i remember um but it, it is fantastic and like one of my other friends is watching it hasn't read any of the comics at all and he only started watching it i think this weekend and he's already like on episode six out of eight already just because he just can't get enough of it all right cool i will i will 100 percent check this yeah, out you'll love it i think it's yeah, fantastic cool. yeah i think if you uh if you love that um that it's like a bit you know a bit of a coming of age story if you love a combination of the sort of high school drama that you get with a Spider-Man, um, the sort of, uh, the you know, a little bit of the Justice League, the chemistry you get from the Marvel Avengers stuff with a more grown-up twist, because you've also got the sort of like domestic life of Invincible, his dad, Omni-Man, and his mum, who's not super-powered. Um, then, but then you also get a slight X-Files-type element with a sort of shady Ooh. government... Um, Okay. clandestine group that's also monitoring the superheroes as well yeah and so it he 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 definitely wears his influences on his sleeve they, you know, uh, robert kirkman in that show it's almost like a bit of a love letter i think to all of those things that he probably loves about cool. superheroes while adding his own twist and as much gore as you'd expect in like the walking dead as well but in a superhero yeah. thing 
but never without, never by being cynical in the way that something like The Boys is. Um, the Boys is very yeah. cynical about superheroes, whereas Invincible does still, it plays with the archetypes, it breaks them down a bit, but it still feels like a love letter. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I agree. Uh, Lewis, anything you want to give a shout out to yourself? Uh, I, I have I have also been watching X Files, um, and I, oh, featuring famous I, bald man Skinner, featuring fam- with yeah, famous bald man Lewis. You AD get Skinner. it now, don't you? You get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah he's he's a, he's a real baller. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I I am struggling because I'm I'm pretty sure that Mulder is the villain <laughs> of this whole no. show. He's like, it's like Jim in the office. <laughs> you sound like the smoking kind of. man. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been really strange. Um David Duchovny is very interesting in it because his performances range massively. Like he'll be really really giving it some good acting beans all over the screen mm. uh in one episode and then the next like he'll be either hamming it up or just doing, you know, when Harrison Ford just does not want to be in a film. Yes. <laughs> like he'll really be doing that. And he is just all over the place. Like laconic, and it's really he? interesting to watch. Yeah. I, he's, there's something fascinating about him. He's got like almost kind of um, Goldblum-esque, uh, like you just, I don't know, just there's something like transfixing about them. And I, yeah, he's definitely I don't got know why. his tics and he, he's very charismatic without having to do yeah. a lot. But like they make fun of that in that episode, um, Jose Chung's from Outer Space, where <laughs> yes, essentially yeah. basically it's, a, it's an amazing episode. But there's been like an alien encounter, which Mulder and Scully have been out to investigate. But it's a sci-fi writer and a couple of other people all sort of interviewing the people around the incident. Like, what did you see? Just tell me what happened. So it's all their different events. And like one person describes Mulder as being basically like a uh, a mandroid, I think he calls him. Like he thinks he's a men <laughs> yeah. in black mandroid. But you, it's not just them telling you what they saw. They actually show like reenactments of their memories. So like one guy's convinced that men in black are um, actually, uh, the actors that play them in it is um, Jesse Ventura and uh, Alex <laughs> yeah. Trebek as well. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean about David Coveney, but Mulder's definitely not the villain. Um, no, I know. I, you, you, I, he's just... I just think he's a he very bad Scully employee. That's what I will say. He, he, he is a terrible friend to Scully. She should so believe often. by now, though, to be honest. By, like, season four, <laughs> the amount of stuff they've seen, uh, I'd be getting pretty annoyed, well, yeah, who, who is she trying to convince at this point? She just wants it to be scientifically she, uh, proven she sh- that... She should be going to Skinner and demanding a budget increase, maybe get a few, like, interns from the FBI in there. But she doesn't have any evidence to do that. That's the problem. She should absolutely be demanding so much more money. Has a pay, uh, right? The Mulder. The, he, he, to say the least. Often, he is often so rude to her. And will <laughs> be like, yeah, you go into this abandoned forest full of, like, I don't know, zombie bats or whatever. <laughs> I'm going to go chill at the beach and just catch up on the day. Every single episode, <laughs> something horrible. <laughs> like, she is, her life has got drastically worse since meeting Mulder. Oh, no doubt. Well, a small price paid for the truth, right? Maybe if she was a little less cynical and a little more willing to believe, nah. if she wanted to believe, then Mulder wouldn't put her through the grinder. He was like, "Yeah, cool. Let's come to the beach with me. You know, we'll solve, we'll solve this later." It's like, no, you, like go see for yourself. But 
genuinely that's classic Mordovo just gaslighting his partner. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm absolutely loving it. Mm. Uh, every episode, it is impossible not to spend like 15, 20 minutes on IMDb after just working out who everyone was in it because everyone is that guy yep. like every single person that crops up in it uh, is crazy i think half a supporting cast of seinfeld are in it at various points um yeah yes it's, yeah it's so it's really refreshing going back to um and just loads of actors you wouldn't expect to be in. like have you seen the one ryan reynolds yes exactly well he's only in it for a little bit isn't he he's literally like yeah five minutes and then he's a corpse but um have you seen the one with um peter Boyle's in it you know the dad from everyone loves raymond Yes, that is yes. absolutely that was really one of the best good episode. Really good episode. Yeah. But, Phenomenal. Um, yeah, it's it's loads of fun. It's campy, and you get a bit of sci-fi, and you get a bit of horror, and you get a, like just genuine fun, a bit of police investigation business. But it's all, yeah. I'm having a great. It's time. also your yeah. partner's favorite show of all time, isn't it? It is. So amazing yes. you get to share that together for the first time, properly. Exactly. Yeah. So she she's um, she's more than happy uh, <laughs> to watch through it all, and I think she's enjoying me guessing. Because there's characters that I'm like, they're not dead. They're definitely coming back. <laughs> uh, she's getting to that snapping point. She's like, they're fucking dead. <laughs> <laughs> what series you're on at the moment? Uh, we just started series five. Okay. Nice. So, do you know the interesting thing about series five? Which I might have said in another episode, but now that you're watching it. Because the, the movie comes at the end of yeah. series five. But they filmed the movie before series five. Yeah. So they know exactly what they're building up to. Good. To, to the movie at the end, which is quite Forward cool. planning. I yeah. like it. Yeah. Smart. It's so weird that back in the 90s, you'd have a, a TV show running then, just in the summer in between seasons, drop a movie, and like they do all those Star Trek Next Generation movies. Yeah, I know. It's and so they, they always have different uniforms in the Generation movies as well. Infuriating. I know. I get that <laughs> they have a higher <laughs> budget, but why don't they take these uniforms into the show or just take the show's uniforms into the movies? It makes yeah, one of the other no people. sense whatsoever i also, fucking hate it lewis I, i'm quite excited because i think series five has what i think is probably one of the worst episodes of the classic run okay, of <laughs> okay. Uh, coming up, which I'm, it's a monster of the week one because obviously okay. the conspiracy ones are all a bit sort of they're hard to judge on their own anyway but uh i think it's series five i'm quite excited for you i'll ask you next time or when yeah, you get okay. through series five is to, if you can guess which one i think is the worst or one of the worst episodes they've ever did Okay, amazing. I'm all in, baby. I'm excited also when you're done to find out what classic 90s, early 2000s TV show you're going to watch next because you've done The Sopranos, mm. you've done The X-Files. I'm just wondering. Uh, Grey's Anatomy, I think. Oh, mate, that's still going. Still going strong. Yeah. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. yeah. It's on like season 16 or 17. No, Don't I, I, watch, um, I watch Now TV, so every, and they have it on there, so every now and then there'll be a new like season 17 of Grey's Anatomy or... Oh my god! Wild. At that point, you've just got to be going for a title, right? Yeah. <laughs> just money, isn't it? Oh god, you could start watching ER. You could, <laughs> yeah. Or Chicago Hope. Or, oh, even better, NYPD Blue. Do it. Go for it. Just the classic nineties. 90- Actually, if you can watch anything, I've remembered this at uh, the weekend, but. The Shield, all on Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah. I, yes, I, I really need to see The yeah, Shield. Yeah, I would say The Shield as well. I warn everyone, but yes, the opening episode has egregious use of Kid Rock in it. But it, oh, no. it, it makes sense because they're bad guys and they're about to do something very bad when Kid Rock's bar with the bar starts playing, so you know something bad's going to happen. And they, you know, they pretty much <laughs> pay for it over the course of like seven seasons. So 
<laughs> but no, music-wise, I've just been listening to a shit ton of uh, just old hardcore, just suicidal tendencies and stuff. Oh, uh, nice. sweet! Because it is the perfect fucking cardio music. Because cardio is the most boring, awful thing you can possibly do. Sucks, it it? never has yeah. any redeeming. Man, I hate it. I'm uh, so lazy. <laughs> it's like the worst no, thing I, I for me. I hate it when I start it. I mean, you hit a sweet spot, but. The first yeah. few weeks of getting back into doing cardio, uh, I hate, I hate so much. Super aggressive punk, man. It, yep, it's a it's a winner, it's an absolute winner, and it makes you feel like you're um, in Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, when, when, <laughs> when you're doing that cardio, do you think oh, all I wanted was a Pepsi? <laughs> <laughs> what, about, what about you, Jimbo? What's uh, what's been going on with you? Do you know, what? I've been jamming a few things apart from the big one that we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes. Um, so just wanted to give a couple of shout outs to a few records. Uh, in fact, I'll give a shout out to one particular band, which you're going to be hearing a lot about soon in a special episode coming up. Uh, I won't give too much away, but they're British. They've released a ton of albums and we fucking love them. So keep your ears <laughs> to the ground for an episode about that. Listening to a lot of these guys. Um, Interesting. But uh, I've also I've been enjoying uh, the new Cannibal Corpse record. Oh, I just I just realised what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you see that? For like, real? I thought you were joking, hours, Lou. Over two hours and forty-five minutes from last week. Oh my god! I'm never going to be able to forget it, even if I want like, to. More, like maybe the biggest episode we've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> honestly, uh, I keep looking, thinking back to that episode, and I just feel very proud. Like when I look at everything we've done in it. I think I feel really good about it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I've been listening to uh, a lot of the new Cannibal Corpse album. Uh, Ooh. Which uh, is called Violence Unimagined, which is you know, a very Cannibal Corpse-esque uh, album. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's, I mean, it's Cannibal Corpse, right? So you know exactly what you're getting. Uh, for me, you know, I drop in, they do a new album when it gets like a lot more buzz because they've got so many of them and some, you know, some tend to get a better reception than others. So when there's one that's mm-hmm. really worth talking about, uh, I'll drop into it. And this one, is, you know, a lot of people have been saying it's their best album since like Kill in 2006. Uh, so I've been listening to it quite a bit. And it's the first album they did since they replaced their guitarist who went crazy and like had the flamethrower. Oh <laughs> like, my God. Oh yeah. Off. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. So they got um, a dude in called Eric Wu-Town who um, produced some of their albums and, uh, Again, I'm not a Cannibal Corpse expert, you know, but there's a lot of songs that I like and I dip in and out of them. Um, but a lot of people are saying that he really brings a lot to the table. Uh, and it was funny because I was watching a couple of, like, listening to a couple of reviews, reading f- re- reviews, and the people who are, like, the absolute diehard Cannibal Corpse fans are like, this reminds me of their earlier, thrashier days in, like, eating back to life, a little bit of X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, sounds like Cannibal Corpse. It's crazy. <laughs> just, a bunch, just a bunch of redneck dudes, you know, uh, singing about murders. It's awesome. Um, so yeah, I would say if you want that uh, death metal fix, definitely listen to it. There's a song called Over Over Torture, but like as in Overture, <laughs> Over Torture. Oh God. And I'm painful. like, how did you know? I love that. Like, this is like your, I don't know, 16th album. Like, how have you not <laughs> come up with that one already? Just um, a list of puns. Precisely. Uh, yeah, so um, I've been enjoying that. Uh, I've d- jumped in... Can I ask, can I ask a quick oh, yeah, question? Oh, yeah, Is it... Um, do you, did you listen to A Skeletal Domain by them? Uh, I might... No, I, I don't think I've checked out that one. 
Okay, it's really cool, really good. But the production on it is great. Mm. It's got Kill or Become on it. Okay. And High Velocity Impact Splatter. <laughs> incredible. What an incredible title. Okay. Oh, yeah, that uh, one's from a couple of years back. Yes. Uh, yeah. Let's see what it's got on it. See if I know it's got Ice Pick it. Lobotomy. Yes. As well. Which, actually, there's an X-Files episode about. But, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But the, the production on that was what got me into Cannibal Corpse because I find like a lot of the really old stuff I'm like rough. okay yeah it's real it's, rough isn't it it's kind of yeah it's not punishing in the way that I think they intended uh, to listen to but is, is the, does the new one sound good yes it sounds very good, um, good. yeah I really like the production on it uh, in fact sorry Eric I said Eric Wutan Eric Rutan Eric Rutan uh, yeah okay. I think he kind of produced it and he produced um, he didn't do the one you mentioned so you have to mean but he did Porture which has got Scourge of Iron, which is probably like my absolute favourite okay. uh, Cannibal Corpse song. It's one of like their sort of slower, uh, slow you know, by Cannibal Corpse and slower ones. It's just got a really good chugging buzzsaw type riff. They're ballad. It's, exactly, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would definitely recommend it. I think, you know, uh, it's like they're the ACDC of death metal, right? You know, you know exactly what you're getting going in. Yeah, yeah definitely. M- mileage may vary. Yeah. But um, I think you're if you're into it, you're always kind of guaranteed a good time. But um, and a wicked yeah. live as well, absolutely fantastic live. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Cor- Corpse Grinder's vocals are just so good. Yes, just amazing. Yes. So yeah, um, I also have been listening a bit more to the new Architects album uh, for those that wish to exist, and mm-hmm. it's it's just not really doing anything for me. Um, I really liked the last two or three architects albums a lot um holy hell uh, all our gods yeah. abandoned us i thought those were absolutely incredible records and i think this is kind of like a bit of a sort of soft re you know a bit of a reboot for them a chance to go in a new direction which is understandable but i think in doing so and it's quite an experimental album for them but also it sounds it just sounds a lot like say what bring me in the horizon are doing it mm-hmm. sounds a lot like what while she sleeps are doing like the kind of mix between like the more synthy electronic elements uh, and the kind of more clean, slightly produced vocals. It's just, there's not a lot in terms of lots of chords, not a lot of riffs, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. I just feel like a, in, in an attempt to kind of carve a new identity for themselves, I think they've lost a little bit of their identity and they just sound, I think the album is quite long as maybe 16 tracks, but I think really they have maybe about four or five different ideas just sort of stretched out over too many tracks. It's, it's not really done anything for me. I, I would say, because I know when it came out, I got some really good reviews, but actually chatting to a few friends who are like super diehard Architects fans, they've been a bit down on it as well. So I think maybe when the initial kind of, uh, you know, when it first dropped, I was like, oh, you know, the hype sort of died down. I think people had a bit more time of it. I don't think it's quite, well, for me at least, it's not really hit like the last two or three have. I don't know, but see, I think when you're playing in the... Uh in an edgy metal band, uh, I think it's actually really brave to go ahead and just, you know, go into really, really commercial pop music. I think it actually, it really takes a lot to put you, to put what's, what you've got on the line there, you know? So yeah, you know that music that sounds like that is going to sell multi millions <laughs> more the amount than what you've been doing before. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It's, it is a massive gamble. Um, and you know, like it, it must take it out of them having all these radio one, uh, plays every day. Imagine the stress, you know, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So 
yeah, big uh, big respect there. I haven't listened to it yet, to be honest. I keep reading too, but that is some shade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think like I think it gets dressed up a lot because it's cool. They're doing something different, um, but I don't think it's it's not challenging anything, and no. it's not. It's it's, 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 I can't, only, I can't it's, say it's different within the world of Architects' previous records. If you actually compare yeah, it to what's it, on the it. market, like what else is out there? Stuff which like some gent bands have been doing, stuff that like their metalcore, like British contemporaries have been doing. Um, even though again, I'm not the biggest Bring Me the Horizon fan. I'm like, okay, Bring Me the Horizon went and did what has kind of become their own thing, and they carved out a new sound for themselves. And yeah, they got incredibly poppy as well. But at least they were kind of like the first in that scene to do it. And now it feels I think like that's people it. Are re- like, and I, it, it, I don't think necessarily a lot of the stuff that Bring Me were doing was super original. But no. at least they were the first ones within the scene to do it. And now I think While She Sleeps and Architects have you know, both had albums out within a couple of months of each other are just sort of following this pattern. I think both While She Sleeps and Architects both have, like, funnily enough, a song featuring Simon Neil from Biffy Clyro on it, like doing vocals that they play as a single. And, like, <laughs> okay. he's got a fantastic voice. His like, voice I would is love, lovely. Yeah, I would he's love great. to have him sing on my record. But again, like, <laughs> you guys are all, you're all drinking from the same well. And, um, I thought Architects had a really good sound. You know, they had that nice mix of Jensen metalcore. And yes, for sure. They, and the, the emotion hit. With yes, them, it was it was sincere. And um, I feel, yeah, they 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 have a few tricks in this album, and I think like they play their hand too quickly between the like the lot of like string synth synth stuff in the production, and every song has to have a breakdown where the frontman Sam just sort of like sings in a kind of like quiet. I love it before going back into the chorus again and it's just like that and it's like oh okay cool and you're going to do it 11 more times <laughs> cool <laughs> um so yeah it, it, it's not hitting for me um for those who wish to listen to it uh, you know all credit to you and if you're enjoying it fair <laughs> enough but um yeah it's uh it's not it's of all the big metal albums that have come out in the last couple of months you know there's a reason why we're doing a whole episode about Gojira's <laughs> new album and mm. not Architect's new album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think actually what you, what you said then, I think is why, why this annoys me more than bring me doing it. Yeah. It's like, and, and like Sam Carter's amazing. I, I, if he's singing on something that I'm just like hearing his voice, I'm I happy with that. Screams <laughs> and his, yeah. yeah. Incredible. Great. But, um, but I think it's more, it feels more frustrating with them because you said like they always felt so much more sincere than a lot of other bands in mm. that scene. So, I yeah. think they'd also carved out their own niche and broke mm-hmm. out on their own terms. They headlined Ali Pali. They sold it out. Like that's a huge, huge, huge show for Massive. them. And uh, they did it without really compromising their sound. And I thought, you know, you you could have the the architects be the macho man, Randy Savage, to bring the horizons, <laughs> Hulk Hogan brother. And you could have like these two huge bands that were like both doing their own thing. The mega powers. And, yeah, and instead, um, Architects decided to become more like the ultimate warrior. So that's Ooh, my wrestling analogy. That's a bit... Yeah, Ooh, I, I wouldn't that's put that on anybody. That's, 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 that's very my, harsh. That's my wrestling analogy for you guys. That's so harsh. <laughs> Hopefully not like Ultimate Warrior and his beliefs, at least. Oh, uh, yeah. No, they are the antithesis of that. I'll give them credit. I was going to say, I, that's I, why I, I think it's a bit harsh. I like the passion. You know, it's an album they've, you know, they're, they're, they've really, I think it's like it got a huge focus on like environmental issues and stuff like that. And yeah. I, I, I love that like they are not afraid of being open about those uh, those beliefs. But yeah, music, definitely. musically, it's just not grabbing me. 
And now for the big guns. That's right, we're here to talk about the brand new album from French Metal Titans, Golgira. The album's called Fortitude, and it came out, I guess it would have been, as of recording this, uh, what's it, the 5th today? So it would come out on April the 30th. Um, Golgira, where do we start with them? For, I guess the uninitiated, uh, Golgira said, are a French metal band uh, that had been around for, this is their seventh album now? kind of mm-hmm. released their first mm-hmm. album in the early 2000s, but really picked up traction with a record called From Mars to Sirius. Um, they kind of became like a favourite of Randy Blythe from Lamb of God, who took them on tour, uh, back when they barely spoke any English. And I think if you look back at some old interviews, he would often sort of speak with the bands just to sort of help them along. Um, but mm. slowly but surely, album by album, they stabbed themselves as one of the absolute biggest metal bands in the world. And this album really is kind of sort of solidifying their place at the top of the heap as maybe not necessarily a chart band, but absolutely like a festival headlining band. How would you guys describe Gorgira's sound? But, uh, I'll start with Lewis because he's like the most musical, so uh, he can probably articulate things pretty well. <laughs> uh, okay, so Gojira. Right, what I'm going to say, I don't, need to, I don't want anyone to take any offence to this. <laughs> But I would refer previously, and the reason that they've always kind of sat, I've always thought like, yeah, like I know they're good, but I've just never been like, oh, fuck yeah, man, I can't wait to listen to Gojira. Mm. I have never had that, ever. <laughs> um, even when I've really enjoyed, like the the one with the volcano on the front. Magma. I can't remember what it's called. Magma. That makes sense. That's good. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed that album. And there were loads of tracks that like stuck with me. But uh, I would refer, <laughs> I'd call it, low energy metal because <laughs> to me it's it's kind of it's somewhere between yeah you you you're kind of modern i say modern i'm about to reference my sugar who are like, like 30 <laughs> yeah. years old or something but their you've got elements so huge right that... yeah so you, you've got elements of that kind of like uh technical rhythmic like percussive totally. nature but then it's kind of like washed over in like just a sea of kind of shoegazy reverby uh i don't know just kind of like a, a quilt of like a sea I, I don't know i don't really know how to explain it right um and i, I don't mean that in a bad way either uh it's it, they sound really unique Completely. and i think this new this new one uh i would say there are parts of it that sound like muse mixed with mastodon mixed with the sea shanty fab <laughs> this, seems, this seems to have finished sure. like it's it really yeah there's there's a lot to it and i think they're probably one of the most unique sounding metal bands for a very very long time yeah for sure and, and even even the things that i haven't loved about them as much it's always been like cool they're doing their own thing they sound exactly like i themselves. think that's really cool because i think my opinion is like where yeah, you call us low energy for me they they've been like the pinnacle of modern metal since from Mars to Sirius so the last like say mm-hmm. 15 years or so now and they're just a band that I just am always excited by both like on record and live um but mm-hmm. it's really cool that just for diversity of conversation right that yeah you uh you don't necessarily feel the same way so we're not just spending like you know half an hour sort of gushing um sure. Dan how do you feel about Gojira? Uh, and how, uh, would you, how would you describe the sound? Like, what is it that's kind of like clicked for you in the past, or maybe hadn't before, and has has on more recent records, for example? Um, or was there one album in particular I've, where it sort of like grabbed you know 
grab the gnomes by the horns. So I, I've always really enjoyed <laughs> them. A bit like Lewis, actually, I think. But if it was only with Magma that it all... I mean, I used to listen a lot, but Magma is where I was sort of like, oh, they're actually a really great band. Like, they're not yeah. just a solid band. They're actually really great. I describe them a bit like... It's a, almost like a heavy metal sort of smorgasbord in that they have a very heavy sound, but they take elements from so many different sort of metal genres. There's like stoner rock in there. There's like psychedelic mm-hmm. stuff. There's like death metal stuff in there as well. There's some metalcore bits. Um, but they all mix it together to make their own sound. It reminds me in a way that Mastodon do a similar thing as well. Yeah. And actually with this album, we'll get into it a bit. It doesn't sound like this album, but it reminds me of a hunter in that. I yes. feel like it's a, it's like, um, it's still their sound, but it's like a whole other step in, in that, in that direction, I guess, or just ch- changing up or getting to the next level. Maybe I'm trying to work out, do you know so, what I mean? Yeah, it, it's like solidifying a lot of what's come before and like, it's just all come together nicely on this, you know, seventh album. And it's it still more sounds focused, fresh, right? Sorry. It's, it's that that focus, like you say, it's the amalgamation yeah. of everything they've done before, but it's just a, a real kind of bang, 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 bang. Let's get this, everything that we are as a band, let's just refine it into these like absolute belters. Because mm. The Hunter was the one that got me into Mastodon. Which, oh, there you go then. It's obviously, yeah, I wasn't that sense. far off. And then I think all the bands that Lewis said they sound like I agree with, I'd also say there's definitely, and I said me and Jim were talking about this the other day, but... Um, didn't record it for some reason. Terrible. Uh, <laughs> is uh, Sepultura as well. Especially oh, yeah, around like, okay, yeah. like Jim was saying, I'm sure he'd go into it, but like Chaos AD and Roots Era, um, which when, when he said that to me, I was like, oh, absolutely 100%. Definitely. Yeah, I think uh, for me, uh, their early stuff is definitely, yeah, very Meshuggah reminiscent, uh, like the rhythmic element to it and the way like the guitar and the kick drums work and that's sort of almost near perfect synchronicity uh also reminds me a lot of uh morbid angel i know we're probably not all huge morbid angel fans on on the cast and I, i'm definitely not myself but the stuff that i have listened to them there's a real sort of flavor of morbid angel specifically stuff like the kind of scratch sounds they do and the okay. way some of like the, the uh the pedal drums hit as well with like the kind of slow riffs but the super fast drums going on in the background um especially on like the earlier stuff, like uh, from Master Sirius and The Way of All Flesh, definitely evokes that. But I think, yeah, as you as you get to the more recent albums like Magma and Fortitude, they start to wear a few more influences on their sleeves and they all really complement that earlier, heavier sound as well. Sepultor, yeah. The Sepultor influence is really obvious on, on Fortitude, on like Amazonia, right? Um, Very appropriate. It's, yeah, it's like, it's yeah. like the most <laughs> Sepultura-esque song I've heard. Um, with like the tribal drumming, the tribal sounds, and like the the throaty type vocals as well. Um, and whilst before, just whilst you've mentioned Amazonia, can we just give it a big shout out for? I'm probably wrong on this, but it's the first that I know of, the first metal track to feature prominent use of a jaw harp. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Well, you know that the bow bow. Oh, they, the there Western... must be one on roots, surely. Oh, there's there's gonna be a there's gonna be a fuck ton now that yeah. I've said that, and I hope I hope that people are pissed off enough to correct me, but <laughs> but I love it. Yeah. Oh, it's it's absolutely incredible, isn't it? Um, I think um, I think yeah, the Mastodon comparison is really apt as well because I don't think they sound super like Mastodon, but I think what they have to them is when you're listening to them, you can hear a lot of the influences, 
but it feels like it's creating something unique. And there's just a certain specialness to the band, in my opinion, where you go, okay, cool, I feel like I'm hearing something which is very evocative of a lot of stuff I love, but I also feel like I'm hearing something really new for the first time in a while. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. that's absolutely how I feel about them. I think the way they kind of riff uh, with like the scratch noises and the harmonics and the, the kind of rhythmic stuff to it just doesn't really feel like anyone is doing it quite like that at the moment. Uh, and yeah, we talked about like the influence of Meshuggah and how that's like, you know, the band has been around for 30 years and still influencing people. I feel like, you know, maybe in 20 years time, every uh, every young metal band is going to start riffing in the style of Gojira. And you're going to go, Gojira were doing that back in like 2008. Where have you been? Um, but it even, and even when they kind of bring on more influences, the way they put everything together in this melting pot, especially on Fortitude and Magma, uh, which definitely lean to the more accessible side, but that's in, by no means a bad thing because they're kind of more complicated as well and the fact that they just take on so many different genres as well. Um, mm. but yeah, it, it it feels like... A, it, it, I can't describe it. It just feels like it's something very unique. Yeah, I think what, you're, what you touched on there as well, Jim, um, the thing that I've always been super aware of whenever i've listened to stuff even if it hasn't like grabbed me uh if you know like i said i've always enjoyed it but the, the stuff that i've always kind of noticed is it's it's joe duplantier right it's the so yeah the he, main the head yeah honcho. um he's the uh guitarist uh vocalist and lyricist so uh, he plays the guitar like a fucking guitarist um he's not playing it like just a machine to do riffs to make a metal song he's really like he's constantly experimenting his tone is always very very different to anything else uh among their peers Mm. for sure it's always super super unique and it's so hard especially in like modern metal to get a unique sound without just i don't know it'd be really easy to just throw a shit ton of effects on something be like this is my sound but it's not it feels really organic that he's he sounds like himself playing guitar yeah I agree. I think one of the things I really like about them as well is they're very, they've got a very heavy sound to them, but it's not always aggressive, which I really like. And mm. I quite like that about them. There are definitely ones that are very like in your face aggressive songs, but there are other ones which aren't necessarily that aggressive, but are still just as heavy um, in a different way. I think Another um, World is a really good example of that on this one. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like the third, I think this album, like it just, straight away just like knocks out the park with the first three songs um i think they've all been like they've all had music videos at this point but born for one thing amazonia another world but another world is it's a heavy song but it's really melodic and but not in a way that a lot of metal is heavy verse melodic chorus heavy verse melodic chorus yeah there's something in the structure about it it sort of takes you on a weird a really weird journey where all of those elements mix together but you don't necessarily get the whiplash that you do with a lot of modern metal where it's like, now we have to do the poppy chorus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It all feels really, really natural. Um, so this this is definitely the album that has just cemented it for me. Like, I fucking love this album. Oh, I, 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 <laughs> I, I only listen to it because, I, you know, it's... it's it seems like a bit of an event when a band like that brings something else. So you got to check it out. Yeah. That's, I mean, I think that's a really good talk point. About I, it. There's something about a Gaussier album now that feels like an event uh, in a way mm-hmm. that a lot yeah. of bands and like their contemporaries doesn't necessarily feel like as much of an event. I don't know if that's because they take quite a while between albums, you know, 
it's like four or five years now between their records it's a long time um but i wonder if that kind of helps add to like the event feel of it yeah and and i think you know that you're going to have something that sounds different it's going to be something that is genuinely experimental um even if it's still playing in that same ballpark it's going to be testing all these different boundaries and yeah, man, honestly, this thing sounds so good. Like, the drums are just doing the coolest shit. Yep. Like, he is playing whatever the fuck he wants to play. <laughs> um, and it, it just fits. It fit, Like, it feels... Some of their older stuff, I always thought, like, it's obviously played really, really precisely and really, really well, but it, it, there's almost been a kind of, like, looseness to it that I haven't loved because I don't really like a lot of sludge or stonery stuff. Mm-hmm. It's kind of... If if you think like like I love hair metal, that's the exact opposite, mm-hmm. right? Um, but this it all of that kind of sound and that sludginess and that it just feels so focused and refined. And then you've just got that kind of the sea of vocals over the top, like they're just floating. It's it's gorgeous. Yeah, but it's yeah, it just sounds fantastic. Yeah, the drums really stood out to me. Uh, my main takeaway the first time I listened to it was just how amazing the drums sound. They all sound like a very, it's going to sound silly to say they're rhythmic because they're drums, so obviously they will be, but there's a very, t- there's a very tight rhythm to them, almost like yeah. a variety of different machine guns on different tracks, like just a real sort of <laughs> yeah, constant okay. pulse. It, 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 yeah, I'm not very good at talking about this stuff, but it, it, it's very much. And then obviously you get stuff like Amazonia where they really mix in the more sort of tribal stuff on top of that as well. Yeah, I um, think that's one of the biggest changes because I think even as good as the drums have been on all their previous albums for the most part before Magma, they're very much like, these are death metal drums, right? These are drums in like the vein of, yeah, bands like Meshuggah and Fear Factory where what the drums and guitar are doing are very closely linked to form that sort of rhythmic pattern. And I think this is maybe what the first album where they really get ex- super experimental with the rhythmic sounds, not just sticking to like usual sort of like metal drum kit, but actually sort of playing around with, well, like, I mean, they bring in like world music elements, stuff like that into it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's very cool. Mm. It's very like all each track sounds slightly different as well. Uh, everything gels. The flow of the album's great. It, it disappears. I think, yes, I think that's the thing that, I think that's the thing that Magma had going for it as well. Uh, yeah. Cause like their other albums again, you know, I love them, but like from Mars to Sirius is like maybe a 70 minute album. Um, or it's like 66 minutes. That's it. Yeah. The way of all flesh is a really long one as well. It's 75 minutes. Like their albums were dense, uh, but dense in the sense that like they just, you know, they went on and on and on yeah. and pummeled you with heaviness. In the last two albums, Magma and Fortitude, they're much shorter albums, about 40 or 50 minutes apiece. But the density comes from the sheer amount of ideas they pack into these very tightly written songs. Um, and yeah, it, in, in a way, it almost doesn't give you a chance to breathe. Uh, you know, it, but in a, it suffocates you with the amount of stuff going on. But because they're condensing it into much tighter songwriting while still playing around, being a little bit experimental, not having to end on the big chorus, maybe fading out with some weird guitar stuff or weird sort of like drum stuff. Yeah. Uh, it, you just, yeah, it, it always keeps it interesting. Like it's a, it's a smorgasbord of, of tunes, of tunage. 
and they managed to use a... Uh, so do you guys know what a Digitech Whammy is? Yeah, I've got one next to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the Whammy pedal, basically, it will change the pitch of whatever you're playing. Yeah. But because it's on a pedal it will smoothly do it, right? So as you put your foot down, it will go like, or vice versa. Oh, Tom Morello is probably the the most famous person possible. When If you think of Whammy, you're going to probably think of Tom Morello. <laughs> and it's really nice to hear that used, that one, doesn't just sound like they're trying to be Tom Morello, yeah. and two, doesn't sound like all of the really kind of B-rate new metal <laughs> that came out <laughs> after Rage Against the Machine. Like, they're, they're using all of these effects for the song, uh, and genuinely in, like, a really creative way as part of riffs. That It's not even, like, it's not even, like, a feature per se, but it's it's just an extra element to just kind of grab your ear. Well, I can have a tool, yeah. Yeah, exactly, It's, it's yeah. in the same way that... Uh... All those bands who got seven, down string, you know, down tuned seven string guitars to maybe hide the <laughs> fact that they didn't, they couldn't write a lot of very good riffs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And the same things kind of happened again now with the influence of Meshuggah and Gent on modern metal. You get uh-huh. lots of bands like down tuning, getting maybe eight string guitars, but aren't really writing any like actual riffs or anything like that. <laughs> um, and yeah, you've actually got someone who is using. Like he's like Batman with his utility belt, you know. He's got so many tricks in there, <laughs> and he can pull something mm. out any second. And yeah, it, I, that's why you know talk about them kind of developing like a new style of like riffing. Like there's just so many fun on top of like the rhythmic stuff. There's so many weird sounds they sort of put in there. Like I think yeah, let's have a quick look through the tracks. Uh, we won't go through every single one, but oh yeah, there's a song called like Newfound, uh, which has like a oh that's awesome. Yeah, it has that weird yeah. sort of like scratching noise on it. Um, but then again, you know, to its credit, like when you get to like the title track, which is like a very short instrumental and then the chant, they're just doing something completely different on there. I think the chant is like the most melodic one they've done. Um, I saw the music video for it and it seems to be, cause like a lot of these tracks, they all have like, I think I was reading an interview where he said like a big inspiration for this album was, it was written before the pandemic, but it was very much about finding the thing that you're passionate about and finding the thing that you care about and sort of having the strength or the fortitude to kind of dedicate yourself to it. And so mm. it's a combination okay. of like, say, social causes or just, you know, finding the thing that you care about and you're passionate about. For example, like Amazonia is about, you know, the Amazon rainforest being burnt down and the importance of like preserving that. Um, and, the- and they've always been a band with something to say. Exactly, yeah. They do actually have a purpose behind well, that. It's interesting because that, right? the album before that, Magma, was inspired by their uh, the brother's uh, mum's death. See, so that was like a really oh, right. like okay. personal one, and I think this came off the back of you know where you find that rejuvenated sort of like look at life when you've hit, been hit by tragedy, and you start to f- focus on the things that you're really passionate about. Mm. And so, yeah, like the chant, for example, is about uh, the kind of you know all the things that like Tibet has endured over the years. Um, from like you know from uh, china uh and all the sort of like all its struggles and things like that but another really interesting thing as well which i was watching an interview a review of the uh the album today and the reviewer suggested that this is one of those records which is 100 percent they were writing it with a live crowd in mind yeah i agree with that. okay you can definitely hear yeah. that i think the stadium feels. it'll translate really well yeah um, they've always been an incredible live actor. I think that's a huge part of why they've become this absolutely massive band now. But um, 
it feels like he, the, the, interview, the reviewer suggested that you know because record sales you know ain't what they were um and a lot of like you know the money is made through touring that a lot of bands now for example like mastodon as well are kind of thinking about how these songs are going to sound live uh and how they're going to connect with the crowd in like a live setting because they know you know if you win them over in a live gig you can go buy a t-shirt that's where you're going to make the money and stuff and so without sounding like cynical a lot of this album was 100 i think written to be performed live and to have like things like the chant and like amazonia and mm. stuff like that you know and have like huge crowd reactions yeah and they're also they've always had like a bit of a stage show anyway it's not like this is a big pivot into doing that they always had like some pyrotechnics and you know uh projections and you know fun backgrounds and stuff as well they've always put effort into their live staging so this just feels very natural that they would want to expand upon that for especially after not being able to probably this is probably more like um happy coincidence but the fact they haven't been able to tour for you know well over a year and then to be able to come back with something like this where they can really go big on you know live performances i think that's really cool and can't wait to see them yeah we just need it to happen again i know please (laughs) this I definitely, definitely want to catch them on their next tour. Have you seen them live before? Life. I think I have. Yeah, I, I, either at a festival or supporting someone. Yeah, they were hard to avoid live at one point. Like they, they taught so much off the back of their records. I think one of the reasons yeah. why there's quite big gaps between the albums is because like they tore those things until they can't tour them anymore. Also, you know, you mentioned um, Sepultura influence. Mm-hmm. I've just learned the. Joe Duplantier, also known as Joe Jira, by the way. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, was the bassist in Cavalera Conspiracy. Yeah, he was, yeah. Oh. I think that did not I think that was that. another thing which like, really together. raised the profile because I think maybe only maybe the way of all flesh would come out. Uh, or maybe just for Mars Serious, but they were one of those bands where like they had like friends in high places. Matt's right, Cavalera. Yeah, yeah. Um you know, Randy Blythe from Man of God, uh, really huge fans and took them out on tour. I think they went out on tour with like Metallica as well. Like they just they're just one of those bands that I think other bands absolutely loved. I guess they heard something kind of unique in there as well. And it's just it put them on a huge stage. And I think And it feels like they've earned it as well. Completely. It, it really doesn't just feel like they're uh they're Adam Sandler's mates in any of his films. <laughs> uh, like, like they've really, really deserved to get where they have. And this this record is an absolute staple of that. Yeah, completely. Yeah, I think when you uh, when you get to the top of that, you know, you put out a record like Magma, which really broke out for them, and you kind of follow. It can be a bit of a victory lap. You know, you don't really break new ground. You just kind of go, yeah, it's cool. We're at the top now. And I think with this, with Fortitude, they are still trying to push uh, push some boundaries and try new things, while also you know sitting at the top of the mountain. So yeah, I think. Huge congratulations to these guys for this awesome record. Uh, can't wait to listen to it some more. And um, yeah, looking forward to seeing it live. Yeah, consider back. Okay, yeah, this is this is going to be such a critic pleaser. That's why I, that's why I like it because it's it's just well received. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like well I record the reviews first, then I listen to it, so I know what to <laughs> what to think. Well, uh, how about you? Let us know what you think uh, by reaching out to us on the old socials. Lewis, what yeah, are they? Yeah. My, my memory ain't so good. What are those socials? I don't, Jim. How? 
how how do you want to get in touch with us? Bebo, I might be able to, to hook you up with it. Friends of uh, United. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we could be the maybe we could be the first podcast uniform to dating. only outreach. Uniform yeah, we, we could be. <laughs> we could be the first podcast to only outreach to like a new audience via either dating websites or Friends Reunited. Is Friends Reunited even a thing oh, anymore? Maybe for like posterity. Yeah. yeah, I think Facebook ate its lunch. Friends. Let's have a let's have a quick look. United. Yeah, still going. You you can still pay money to <laughs> to find That's people wild. from your Facebook. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wow, that's insane! Oh no, it's shut down. No, it's it's very much shut well, down. That was a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe put a warning so, yeah. at the start of the episode. <laughs> so unfortunately, you're not going to be able to find us on Friends Reunited uh, as we've we've just had our hearts broken over. What you can do, and what I'd love you to do, is to contact us uh, directly via slowlyrock at gmail dot com, or if Maybe don't do an email. Maybe email's not really a thing. You're a bit more of an Instagrammer, right? You like the photos. We've got photos. You want to look at our photos? Come and have a look at our photos. You can find our photos on <laughs> uh, at Slowly Rock Podcast. We are on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We are at Slowly Rock. Let us know what you think about this album. Um, if there's something cool that we've missed, then give us a shout. Um, the best thing that you could do as well that would be really, really awesome, recommend us to a friend. Yes, please. That's all you need to do. Just say, hey, buddy. There's some guys from England that you might enjoy if because you like this music and I like this music and I enjoy it. So have a listen. And that's us. Yep. And that'll be really good. If Friends Reunited <laughs> was owned by ITV at one point. What? No. Yeah. A very ITV move. They probably tried to make a drama out of it. <laughs> and um, it only shut down um, in 2016. It's like five years ago. 2016? Yeah. Oh my god! In fact, wow! This—I think we might have stumbled on something. We've taken all this internet business for granted. You know, these these soft young millennials that we are. <laughs> uh, one of the things on the Google says, "How do I find old school friends?" And then there is a video instructing you how to find old school friends online. Go to the school. <laughs> Shout their names. <laughs> Make new school friends. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, great album. Great album. Everyone check it out. If if you want to hear something interesting in the world of metal, yeah. these guys are absolutely nailing it. It's but a treat. Thank you so much. This has been this has been a, a joy, as ever, James. Yeah, thank you very yeah. much. Yeah, um, we'll be back with our usual madness uh, soon. But uh, yeah, let us know what you think and uh, look forward to hearing from you guys again. Sounds great. I don't have a funny, <laughs> I don't, I don't have a funny outro. I don't well, say. We're, we're just, I don't know, Friends Reunited, that's a bit weird, isn't it? <laughs> what was that about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, bye. Bye.